You have to really practice deep empathy as a leader. And so that really means putting yourself into the shoes of whoever is in your team and understanding what are their fears, what are their motivations, what's their pain, what's their pleasure, all the things that you'd also think about when you're thinking about a buyer persona or an audience mapping, to think about that in terms of the people that you're leading. Do you love your life as a small business owner? Let's be real, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love through practical, actionable tips, tools, and tactics, interviews with creative and curious small business owners, and in-depth coaching episodes with me, your host, Fiona Kalaki. With more than 20 years experience in marketing, brand, content, and systems, and having now helped thousands of small business owners, I know what it takes to build a business that you can be proud of and that actually aligns with your values, your beliefs, and your hopes for the future. So much of our daily life is spent working on and in the businesses and the brands that we are creating. And so it makes sense to actually love what you do. So let's get into this podcast and help you figure out how to love your business and your life on the daily. Hello and welcome to episode 316 of the My Daily Business podcast. Today it is a coaching episode and this is a really, really important one, particularly if you have staff or you are thinking about bringing staff into your business, even on a remote basis or a, you know, very casual or part-time basis. This is something that you really, really want to spend some time reflecting on and trying as much as you can to get right if there is such a thing as right or wrong. But in this case, I really do think there is. So stay tuned for that. Before I get stuck in, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I record this podcast, and that is North Warrandyte. So it's the Wawarog and Rundry people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you're in Australia, it is getting close to the end of the financial year. If you need help with your money, you can feel free to book in a session with me. We have one-on-one laser hour sessions. You can find all of that just at mydailybusiness.com forward slash shop. Also there, you can find some of our courses, which include Money Mapping, which is a short course online, self-paced, that goes into detail about how to actually figure out what your survive rate is, what your thrive rate is as a business, and how to calculate all of that, and then figure out what your revenue streams are and reverse engineer your marketing to hit those revenue streams. So again, if you're interested in either of those things, you can find that at mydailybusiness.com forward slash shop. All right, let's get into today's coaching episode. So I have been running this business. This is my eighth year. Prior to that, I was head of marketing for a large accessories brand here in Australia, probably one of the largest. I would say probably the largest in Australia with locations in New Zealand and South Africa, as well as Australia. And in that, I had to manage a team of between probably 16 to 19 or even 20 people. Prior to that, I have worked in digital marketing roles where I also had teams and remote teams. And then I worked at Amazon in the UK where I headed up the whole of home and kitchen and had a bunch of people that reported into me as well. And I've worked at other places like that. So over the course of my career, before starting my business, I think I've probably managed about 60 or 70 people. And then obviously 
in my business. I have my own sort of staff that work with me, but I've also worked consulting and working with larger companies and a lot of CEOs of bigger companies where they've got, you know, up to 50 staff and helping them understand how to lead. So today I wanted to talk about leadership. Now, this is something that if you are, you know, working by yourself, you might be like, oh, I'm working by myself. I don't need to lead anyone. You are still a leader for maybe people in your community, maybe people who are coming in and getting a mentorship with you, maybe people who are asking you for help, or down the road, people who you may be employing for admin services or other services that you're bringing into your business and you want to outsource. Likewise, if you are lucky enough to be a leader, to have staff already that are working with you, it is a really important thing to not get complacent in that role and to keep reminding yourself of the privilege that it is to be a leader in a company and also the impact that you are having on other people's careers because you really are having an impact. You are having a massive influence. We well, I was going to say we all, but maybe some people listening may not have ever worked in a position where they've had a manager or a leader. And so you may not know, but a lot of people will know that you can have a leader or a manager that's very inspiring and incredible and, and amazing at bringing the best out of you. And you can have others who do the absolute worst. They are toxic. They are just you know horrible to be around. They make you second guess yourself and all sorts of things. And maybe even, you know, are the reason that you leave a position. It's actually statistically shown that up to 82% of workers have admitted they would consider quitting purely because of a bad manager. And that was a survey done by Good Hire in 2022. So it's a big problem if you have a leader or a manager, or if you are that person who is adding to somebody's fear of coming into work, not feeling you know, psychologically safe in there. But also if that's the only leadership model they've ever seen, that may well be what they think you have to be like if you get into that position. So then it's just perpetuating the toxicity that is out there in the workplace. And we all know it. We've all heard of people being burnt out or being stressed or being you know, bullied and harassed by bad management and bad leadership. You do not want to be that. You do not want to have those things be coming out about your business. So today I'm going to go through 10 things that I think are very, very important if you are a leader currently or if you are going to become a leader. And particularly if anyone's listening who has never led before, who's never managed people, these things are absolutely essential to work on. Some of them are easier than others, and some of them will be things that you will work on for the rest of your life. But these things are essential in order to create a psychologically safe place for your employees or people working with you, but also to enjoy your role as the leader in a company. So I'm going to go through them. Again, I'm just riffing like I usually do. I just have them listed out here. And of course, there are so many other things that make a great leader, but this is from my own experience and my experience working under a lot of leaders in my career but also having the privilege of working alongside so many small business owners who are, you know, CEOs and MDs and have quite large teams underneath them. So understanding the issues that can affect regardless whatever industry you're in, the business when leadership isn't at a place that it should be for people to feel amazing and encouraged and excited by coming to work. So the first thing that is really, really important is to reflect on your own journey, on your own career. Now, you may be in your 50s and having worked for, you know, 30 plus years, you might just be joining the workforce. But you want to think about what is it that has stood out to you when you think about management and leadership from the companies that you have interacted with. And if you haven't actually worked inside a company, it might be thinking about the leadership 
of, you know, maybe your teachers at university, or maybe even your teachers at high school, if you, you know, had some great teachers. Because in a way, leaders are teachers. They are setting the example. They are the role model, in a way, of where people might wish to go in a company. So when you're looking at succession planning and, you know, where your hires are going to go in the company, you know, often they're looking above to see, oh, do I like that role? Do I like what that person represents? Do I like their approach? And this is also super important if you are trying to build a sustainable business that retains its staff and keeps them engaged. So really reflecting on your own journey. If you have been managed, if you've had leaders in you know, spots higher than you in a business, you want to be thinking about what was great about their leadership. What did you love about it? What if you became a leader or are a leader, you would like to replicate from that? For example, I had a manager in one of the positions that I was at I can't say she was the best manager. She would get incredibly emotional very quickly, which is not a bad thing. Emotions are fine, but it was it was quite to the point of aggression and bullying in some cases. Not to me, fortunately, but to other people. And so one of the things though that I think was amazing about this person, and this is years and years and years ago, is that she taught me she taught me quite a bit actually. And she taught me the power of a sunshine folder. So the sunshine folder is the idea that, you know, anything good that comes into your inbox, like, oh, hey, Fiona, I loved how you did this or blah, 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 whatever it is. You put it into a folder in your inbox called the sunshine folder. And then when it comes to, you know, either times when things are tough, you can go through the sunshine folder and read everything. Or if you are employed as I was at that role, she was like, you know, then you can pull that back up when it's review time and you don't have to try and think of all these examples. You've got all this stuff ready to go. That was a great thing that she taught me. And it also taught me about mindset. Like we, she talked a lot about that, which is, which is quite interesting because then on the flip side, I think she was overwhelmed in that position and she was only in that position for about six months. She'd come into the company, took on the management role and then left. And yeah, I think it was probably she was in over her head and, you know, projected that frustration and overwhelm through aggression, which wasn't the best tactic, but there was some really great parts about her as well. So you want to be thinking about your management. And I've, I've had some really incredible managers. I had an amazing manager at Amazon, Neetu. She was fantastic. I actually cried when she told me she was, she was leaving to go on maternity leave. Yeah. And we've kept in touch ever since. And she was somebody, she was only my manager for maybe nine months, but she had such a big impact on me. She was so empathetic. She was always had a smile on her face. She was really encouraging. She was really curious. She would sit with you and talk through things you didn't understand. She always made time for people. Like she was just incredible. She she also had a laugh. She, you know, was fun. She was just a joy, a joy to work with. And so you want to think about who these people have been. What were the amazing traits about them? What were the things that maybe you'd have a different approach? And even with managers and leaders that I've worked with that I felt were not, if I had to put them into two different buckets, maybe would be in the bucket of the more not the best leader, they still had incredible things that were amazing about them. And so you can learn from everyone. I truly believe that you can learn from everyone. So the first thing is to really sit down and reflect on the career that you've had to date, the managers and leaders that you've had to date, even if they're in a university setting or a high school setting, and think about what you loved and what you didn't love. (laughs) And then when looking at the things that you loved, consider how much of those you're bringing into your business at the moment as the leader. And if there's things that actually, when you think about that and you're reflecting, you're like, actually, yeah, I don't, 
I don't think I'm that fun to be around. Or, you know, I'm not making time for people. I'm having a monthly one-on-one when really, you know, I really think that my staff are expecting a, you know, weekly one-on-one. And and I know that this can bring up things like, well, I don't have time for that. This is the problem. If you don't make time now, you're going to have to make time later hiring somebody else because that person is going to eventually get resentful or feel like they're not being valued and appreciated and look elsewhere. So these are the things that you really want to get clear on. So the first thing is to sit down and reflect on your own journey so far and what was great about people and what was not so great about people and really get truthful in yourself if you are already a leader. How many of those great aspects and qualities are you bringing into your leadership journey? The second thing, so important, so important, is to understand when to be proactive and when to pause. So I know that can be a really difficult thing to get your head around because sometimes it's almost like you have to be both of those simultaneously. Part of being a leader is to not react to everything because you literally can't. It's like being a parent in a way. And that's not to diminish, you know, employees or anything else, but being a parent, you can't react to every little thing. You can't react to every single tantrum that your kid creates. Like you just can't, or you would be absolutely exhausted. You have to know when to pause, what is actually worth, you know, the effort. And also when to be proactive, when you can see that, for example, I'm not giving people enough time right now. So I need to actually proactively, even if they haven't asked for it, consider would I, if checking in with you, you know, every week, would that be better for you? Because I really think that maybe we could check in a little bit more often and communicate a little bit more or whatever it is. So being proactive, but understanding when to be proactive and when to pause. And I know that I've talked about recently in another podcast, Viktor Frankl and the quote from Man's Search for Meaning, which is between stimulus and response, there is always a chance to pause. And I think that is one of the key lessons to really understand can I pause in this moment without getting emotional, without getting annoyed, without getting frustrated? Can I just take a minute to pause? So that is the second thing. Understand when you need to be proactive, which most of the time you should be proactive. But the other big thing is understanding the importance of pausing to understand that maybe right now, let's say you're in a a meeting and things get a bit heated. Let's all just take a minute. Let's breathe. Let's maybe park this and come back to it tomorrow morning. You know, let's all have a night to sleep on this because that is your job as the leader is to create a safe environment for everybody. Yes, people can have their peace, but you are not adding fuel to the fire of that. So if things are getting heated, you're you're understanding the importance of your role to be proactive and pause at the same time, for example, in that instance. So that's number two. Number three, and this can be very difficult, particularly if you have never managed people before. It is one of the greatest, steepest learning curves. And that is to practice empathy and deeply practice empathy. So some people are naturally more empathetic than others. And this really goes to things like your personality type, how you're raised, your experiences, what leads you, what motivates you, all sorts of things. Some people naturally are very empathetic. Some people, and maybe too much, Recently, I saw in a program, I love the Insight program on SBS. If you're in Australia, it's amazing. If you're overseas, I don't know if you can check out Insight by SBS. It's a long running program here in Australia. They had an actual episode, When Empathy Can Be a Bad Thing. Really interesting. I find myself as somebody who is very empathetic and potentially sometimes too much, (laughs) feeling too much, but you have to really practice deep empathy as a leader. And so that really means putting yourself into the shoes of whoever is in your team and understanding 
what are their fears? What are their motivations? What's their pain? What's their pleasure? All the things that you'd also think about when you're thinking about a buyer persona or an audience mapping to think about that in terms of the people that you're leading. You know, maybe they are being defensive because they're insecure. They've never actually held this role before. Maybe this is the first time they've had a full-time office job or the first time they've had to be, you know, facing customers in the kind of coal face. And so they're putting up their defenses because they are insecure of like, maybe you're going to see through them. Maybe you're going to fire them, maybe whatever it is. And so really getting empathetic. Also understanding that in that empathy, that your way of learning is not necessarily everybody's way of learning. Whenever I'm running a course or, you know, let's say the marketing for your small business course and coaching program, I try and make it very clear all the way through that this is one way of learning. And if you are not a visual learner, or if you are not this, or if you're not that, there are other ways to do X, Y, Z. Even with my clients, you know, even with money mapping, for example, I like to draw that out. Some people don't like to do that. They like to have bullet lists. They like to have Word documents. Whatever way you learn is fine. And so that's also something with the leadership. If you have always done things a certain way and then you are put up to a leader position, it can be easy to go, well, everyone should just step in line and this is the best way to do it. So everyone should just do it. Rather than having empathy and understanding that everyone has different experiences. People might learn a little bit slower than you. People might learn faster than you and just be incredible at things. But also that people have different associations with work. And also you need to put yourself in there in the shoes that they have and really have empathy for them. I've managed all sorts of people and I've managed people from people who are maybe were a little <laughs> slack and through to people who worked too hard and you had to sort of fight them to go home and be like, you need to go home. You need to have a life outside of work. So you really want to have empathy and practice that and practice it and practice it. And it might mean that you want to go and read some books about emotional intelligence. You might want to read some books about empathy. You might get frustrated by people. And again, coming back to number two, pause, pause, pause. You are the leader. You are leading this team. And so you really, really want to practice deep empathy. Number four, and this again kind of goes with everything I've been saying, is to understand your own shortcomings your own areas for improvement. And again, this can be really confronting because maybe you've never had to manage people and suddenly when you are, you're realizing, oh my God, I'm a bit of a control freak or I really like to micromanage or I don't trust other people to do it as well as I do or whatever the things are that come up for you. And so you really want to be aware of those things. And sometimes it's, you know, managing people is like putting a mirror up to yourself and realizing, well, okay, there are some gaps here. And sometimes you just don't see them until you're in that position. And so it's really understanding those things and even writing them down and running through, like when you're getting frustrated with somebody, running through those things and being like, okay, how is this my fault? Or how is this, how have I not set this person up for success? Or how am I looking at this through the lens of my own shortcomings? For example, micromanaging is a big one. It's a big, big one that a lot of people don't like to be micromanaged. Very, you know, some people do. Some people like to have complete direction all the time. Please tell me exactly what I need to do at all times. But I would say most people would err on the other side and wanting to have a little bit more autonomy in a position. No one wants to feel like somebody is looking over the shoulder all the time. However, particularly if you have done that role and now you're being kind of promoted to the leader. So this happens all the time in small business. You've never had anybody do the role. You were doing everything yourself from the marketing to the HR, to the finance, to the, to the actual job. And then you hire somebody 
and you're like, no, 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 no. Let me say, let me show you how it's done. Uh, excuse me, you're still not doing it how I was doing it. Maybe in some cases you might need to do that. Maybe they're making mistakes, but a lot of the time they may be finding a different approach, which is still working. It may not be your exact approach, but it is their approach and you've got to give them that space and that place to kind of figure that out because it may well be a better approach than you had. So that is number four, really understanding your own shortcomings. Now, again, if you haven't ever done personality test, they can be good to just have a look through. They're not, you know, set in concrete, but to look through. So 16personalities.com is a free website. You can go and do your personality test online. It's about 15 minutes and it will show you the areas of improvement, things that are amazing about you, but also things that, you know, maybe, maybe for example, if you are a highly empathetic person, that's a great trait to have. It is. But on the flip side, one of the kind of negatives of that is that you can be very sensitive to critique or feedback. You can also potentially get so caught up in other people's problems that you are distracted from your own stuff going on. You can put yourself last, but then get resentful about that. So there's lots of things that you want to be aware of when it comes to your own shortcomings as a leader. And this also includes healing. So you may have, you know, things that trigger you that only are going to come up and you don't even realize that they're triggering you. So there's all sorts of things you can do to help that. I know that my friend Kylie from Ovkin runs the Dare to Lead workshops from the Brene Brown teachings. Amazing. I know so many clients who've done that and said it's fantastic. And you can find her just at ovkin.com and we'll link to Kylie in the show notes. Of course, there is the Dare to Lead book by Brene Brown. There is, I think it's Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. I mean, there's so many ways to to look deeply into this and to look into your own healing as a leader. But also, you know, it might be a therapist. It might be a psychologist that you go to. I know if you're in Australia, Beyond Blue is now doing new access, which I think allows you to have like 10 sessions with a mental health coach. It is not a psychologist, but a mental health coach. And that is all funded by the government. You know, there, there are so many places to think about what do I need to heal as a person and how do I bring that into my leadership and maybe even bringing these open wounds into a leadership role. So that is number four, understand your own shortcomings and and spend some time on healing as a leader. Number five, I think it was Audrey Hepburn who first said this. I'm not sure who exactly first said it, but that, you know, we have two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you talk. That is a big one. It is a big one to sit and listen and have the the power and the the beauty of listening to people as opposed to talking over them. Now, as a coach, this is something I've had to really work on because my innate trait is to want to fix everything, to go in and fix. And so sometimes you need to listen and let people come to that solution on their own. That is how they learn. And really, that is how they learn deeply. So not in all instances, but in some instances. So if you're the leader and somebody is talking to you, sometimes they just need to talk through a problem without you jumping in to fix it straight away. So the other thing is thinking about what you're not hearing, but what is being said, if if that makes sense. So maybe somebody's talking to you about maybe they're late consistently and you're like, come on, dude, it's in your, you know, I get here on time. Why can't you get here on time? And we can associate being late with all sorts of things like laziness and, you know, disorganization, all these other things. Maybe there's something else going on for them. Maybe they have a child who is, you know, has some special needs. Maybe they have a child who is going through a really difficult part of school, such as the last two years of school, which are very, very, you know, high school. Maybe the child is transitioning to a new school. And so there's a bit of extra care that needs to happen in that morning, in which case then sometimes they're late. But, and maybe they're saying, I'm so sorry, I just had some issues this morning with my son or with my daughter or whatever. 
And so they're saying that, maybe they said that three times. So it's listening and thinking about what's not being said. And it is not necessarily your job to, you know, fix their personal life, but it is your job to be there and create a space where they are feeling that they can be heard. Now, I'm not saying they should then just come and rock up whenever they feel like it, if you have, you know, times in time places in, in place. But it's about saying, hey, do you want to talk about what's going on? Because you know, you've been late a few times and I know that's not like you. And I know that then you're feeling stressed about that and maybe bring that stress into the business. And so I just want to know what's going on and maybe how can I help you? And maybe it's, okay, this kid is transitioning to a new school. We're going to move your start time back by half an hour for the next month just to see. And could you stay half an hour back or whatever? You can fix that up. But it's really to listen as a leader. That is going to be one of the greatest strengths that you can work on and build, just like any other muscle in your business, is to be a listener, to understand what is being said, but also what is not being said through what people are telling you. And on that note of listening, if you are in Melbourne, I think they also work in the whole east coast of Australia, and maybe they work remotely with people all over the world. I'm not entirely sure. There is a company called The Listening Squad, and you can find more about them at thelisteningsquad.com. And I know that they work with businesses and business owners and leaders to really develop their listening skills, but also to understand the importance of listening strategically from a business perspective. So Dust Linney, who is somebody that I know from there, she, together with Joe Capucciano, I think, is they both run that. So anyway, we'll link to that in the show notes. It's just called The Listening Squad and you can find them again at thelisteningsquad.com. So that is number five. Number six is to kind of decide on the type of leader that you want to be. And again, and I know there's lots of people listening who don't have kids, who don't want kids, who, <laughs> you know, kids are not a part of their life and that is totally fine but I'm sure that they can still appreciate that as a parent, a lot of people have to take that decision at some point, like what kind of parent do I want to be? Do I want to be the same type of parent my parents were? Do I want to be different? What, you know, do I want to be kind of, what do they call it? Like the gentle parenting method. Do I want to be more authoritarian? Like, you know, you've got to figure that out and everybody's got their own journey. In leadership, you also have to figure out what type of leader do I want to be? And there's all sorts of ways. I've mentioned a couple of the books before as well. There is a good book called Co-Active Leadership, Five Ways to Lead by Karen and Henry Kimsey House. Now in that, they talk about, you know, really as the leader that you're developing and responsible for the world in which you're building and that world being, you know, in this case, I'm talking about the world within your small business. And so they talk about these five kind of ways of leading. And, and if you imagine that these are sort of like a Venn diagram and in the middle is within and then there's the other kind of four outside. So they talk about, you know, leading from the front, kind of visionary leader from beside, like a very collaborative leader from within, a purpose-led leader, sorry, from behind a servant leader or from the from the field, like an intuitive leader. And so it's sort of reading through that and figuring out which one sort of really hits home, but also that, you know, sometimes you have to be a bit of each of these things. And understanding, you know, your own personality, again, it comes back to really assessing yourself as well and having that self-awareness and be willing to do the work on yourself to understand what kind of leader am I? Like I've worked with leaders who are the visionary, who are very much in front and they're like, I've got all these amazing ideas and da 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 And, you know, you're kind of as the employee going, okay, okay, how do we like rein this in a little bit? How do we make sense of this? How do we organize this? And then I've also had leaders who are very much a collaborative leader and working alongside and in there with you. I remember 
I've had some really lovely feedback on my leadership and I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means at all. You know, I've had incredible relationships with the people I've managed years and years and years later and I still get asked to be their reference for different things and I think I've got a pretty great relationship with most people that I've managed. Of course, you don't have a great relationship with every single person, but I found that one of the kind of, I think, best compliments that I've received was And again, this goes to my personality and it won't suit everyone that's a leader, but I remember we were doing this kind of PR activity for one of the companies I was a leader in and one of the people was in there and she was kind of, you know, I didn't manage her directly, I managed her manager. So it was sort of, you know, if you want to have a look at the sort of stupid hierarchy, well, not stupid hierarchy, but if you had an organisational chart, right, there would be me, then her manager and then this person. And we were getting ready for this evening event and I was there early and it, it should have been set up and all organized, but, it, you know, sometimes, as everyone knows, running in events, it's not always running to plan. And I looked around and I was like, oh, this floor is kind of dirty and these people are arriving soon. And so I asked the venue, people at the venue, do you have a broom? That, and, and so they were like, yep. And I was there in my heels. I, I took my heels off. I never wear heels anymore, but I had to for this job. And I took my heels off and I was in bare feet sweeping this floor. And this lovely woman said to me, oh my God, like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm sweeping the floor. It's filthy and people are about to arrive. And then she said, I love that you're such a doer, that you're in in it with us. And I was like, oh, thank you. And, I, I, and to me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm the manager. So therefore I'm not going to get my feet dirty and I'm not going to you know, sweep this floor. It's like, this has to be done. So someone needs to do it. And I'm not, it's not beneath me to sweep a floor. So It's just figuring out. And some people, that wouldn't be. Some people would be like, excuse me, this should have been done before I got here. One of you is going to do this because this floor is a mess. Someone go and get a broom. And maybe that's also my own issues with delegation, but it's figuring out what kind of leader you want to be. And so that book that I mentioned, Coactive Leadership, Five Ways to Lead, is just one way of looking, you know, a tool that can help you figure that out. You know, there's so many other books that people have recommended on leadership. I have quite a few. I'm just, oh, I went to look at my library, but realized it's all been packed up because we're about to move house. But we will definitely be linking some other books in the show notes for this, which you'll be able to find over at mydailybusiness.com forward slash podcast forward slash 316. So that is number six, decide on the type of leader that you want to be. Number seven, and I think this is just something that should be in everybody's life, regardless of where you sit in your business or in your employed role, is to engage in learning. And I've mentioned quite a few books. There are also courses. Like I said before, my friend Kylie from Ovkin runs a number of courses in leadership, and you can find all of that at ovkin.com. There are so many places to to get this information. And if you don't necessarily have the money to invest in a leadership course or even in a book, go to your local library, look online, look on Medium. There are so many incredible articles on Medium or Substack or just look on YouTube. I mean, there's so much content out there for you to be self-educating and to get your leadership level up. And I think also I was just talking to a client recently, they're hiring a leader in their business and they were talking about the questions that they want to ask in that interview process. And I said, one of them should be what books or what activity have you engaged in to become a better leader? Because if somebody is actually serious about becoming a better leader, then that should have been part of what they're they're doing, that they're actually investing their time into learning the skill set and learning strategies to become a great leader. You know, none of us are just born knowing how to do all of this stuff. You want to learn and, and obviously you're going to learn most from doing it, from the experience of it. 
So there's only so much, I guess, that books and education can teach you until you're in that position. However, they can also be such an incredible tool to help you if particularly you don't have other help around you. So let's say, for example, you are running a business and you're about to hire somebody and you need to become a leader and you've never managed people before. Books, tools, references, even this podcast obviously is a way of learning about this. It's something that you want to invest your time into. And so that is number seven, engage in learning. And that shouldn't be something that you just do, you know, oh, I've hired somebody, I better start doing it. Even if you are currently a leader and you've been a leader in your business for 10 plus years, 20 years, you want to continuously be learning. Maybe there's new strategies, maybe there's more stuff coming out. For example, many leaders may not, if you've been in the, in the business 10 years, and especially in a small business, you may not have done enough in terms of diversity and inclusion training self-awareness about that, reading books about that. I mean, there are so many incredible books. One in particular that we read recently in one of the business book clubs that I do as part of group coaching is, it's called The Leader's Guide to Unconscious Bias by Pamela Fuller, Mark Murphy, and Ann Chow. And we'll link to that in the show notes as well. But that was a book that we did recently in Business Book Club. And it's the kind of byline of that is how to reframe bias, cultivate connection, and create high-performing teams. And it's really to look at, we all have unconscious bias. And I know that when I used to work in the recruitment part, I mean, I didn't ever work in recruitment technically, but I put my hand up to do a lot of the recruitment at Amazon years and years and years ago. And that was a huge process for people to get hired there. It was almost like a a full day of assessments, role-playing, like all these things. Plus you had to do two exams before you even got to that point. And I remember the training that HR put on about you know, recruiting people and interviewing and interview skill sets and all of this. And a huge part was put on biases and how many of us will judge somebody in the first 10 seconds of when we're seeing them. And often we will be looking for attributes that we like about ourselves. And so let's say, for example, I like big earrings. I like, I am interested in style. I may not be the most stylish person out there, but I'm interested in it. And so if somebody comes in the door and I'm like, oh, check those shoes, check that. It's it's really stupid and superficial because it doesn't tell me anything about their skill set. But I might find, because I have a bias towards, you know, oh, I like that. I like that they're stylish. I like this. And so I already have this kind of high like intention of, oh, they're going to be good. Whereas if, which is really superficial and I'm totally aware of that, You also have biases against, like literally yesterday, I was in a shop, a very well-known shop in Australia, and I was buying something for my aunt overseas and the woman serving me was Irish and I come from an Irish background. And so I always find a, like a level of familiarity with the Irish accent. My parents both had strong Irish accents. It feels like home to me. And so instantly I was already like, oh, she's lovely. Like, you know, oh, she's Irish. She's lovely. As if I can paint that whole country <laughs> that everybody there is just so nice. And I'm sure they are. But, you know, it's that bias that that is there because of the experience that I've had. And you can have, you know, it can be the flip side. You can have negative experiences and think certain things before people even open their mouth in an interview. So as a leader, we want to be really aware of our unconscious biases as well. Number eight, and I would say again, this kind of goes for any any role that you're playing in your business or a business, is to find a mentor or a coach because I work with a lot of leaders. I work with a lot of people who have quite a few staff 
or uh, working with, you know, multiple territories that they're running. And it can be really difficult if you are the leader and you feel like you are not actually supported. And, and sometimes you have to be the person who has to show up and everything's fine. And not to be like fake, but sometimes you don't necessarily want to be able to discuss or you don't want to discuss your challenges, particularly things like financials or other things with your staff when you're in the heat of it. And so sometimes it's really great to be able to have either a mentor or a fellow leader that you're meeting up with or somebody who's a little bit further ahead than you or somebody like a business coach who is able to see a wide variety of businesses, see what works, see the common issues and see you know frameworks and strategies to overcome these. As I said, I work with quite a few CEOs. I work with a lot of small business owners and a lot of them you know, may have a couple of staff. Many of them have, you know, 10 to 20 staff. And so they're coming to me to chat, to download, to vent, but also to talk about strategic decisions when they're just sort of brainstorming them. They don't necessarily want to take them into an exec meeting yet with their top tier or to take them into a meeting because they haven't fully fleshed it out and they want somebody to flesh all of that stuff out with. So I think If you are in a leadership role, you really want to be thinking about support for yourself as well. And so it's similar to, you know, psychologists have to see a supervisor because they can't just take all of that stuff on all the time without then actually talking to somebody about it and dissecting it. If you've watched Couples Therapy Australia, I just watched that recently on Qantas Flight because Qantas shows it. And I was like, awesome. I think I was the last person to get off the plane because I was like, I want to keep keep watching this series. Anyway, in that there's a great psychologist. She, she's a relationship psychologist and you see her downloading and chatting through the challenges that are coming up with some of her patients with her own supervisor who is further along than her. So if you are a leader, particularly if you are new to this, I would be 10,000% looking for either an accountability group with other leaders or a, you know, group coaching program or a business coach or something like that. And obviously I offer these things. And if you're interested in that, we have a group coaching program starting in August this year. If you're interested, you can just go to mydailybusiness.com forward slash group coaching. We have many leaders in there. And so, you know, often people are talking about staff challenges, everything else. It's a very confidential, safe space to discuss that. And of course, there's also one-on-one coaching if you just wanted to work with me directly. So that is number eight, find a mentor or a coach or some way of having a support system around you because it can take its toll being a leader. And particularly if you are a leader and feeling that you're kind of out on a lurch by yourself, you know, you really want that support. So that's number eight. Number nine, (laughs) I'm laughing at this because this is something that takes so much practice and you never get there. You never necessarily get there perfectly. And that is to be patient, to understand things take time. Staff take time to get up to speed with stuff. Everything that you wanted to launch and everything else, it takes time. It takes longer sometimes when you have staff doing it than if you were just doing it yourself. And that can be a really hard thing to grapple particularly if you are going from being the only person in your business to hiring somebody in. There is a massive learning curve for that person. And just remember that you have so much context going on in your head. That is, even if you have the best systems and processes, not every single thing is going to be documented. And you have context of different situations and past experiences that this person coming in does not. And so there's a level of patience that has to be there rather than you rushing in and trying to fix things or thinking somebody's failing in their job. 
You want to be the leader that is patient. And again, this goes back to the idea of pausing and having that moment to reflect about things or not necessarily a moment. It could be a week or a month to reflect on things and let people get into, you know, where they need to be to help your business flourish. So number nine, practice patience. That is a really difficult thing to do, especially if you are like, I've hired this person, I'm paying their wage. This is, you know, money that's coming out of my business. You know, I want them to be here straight away. And they're not a leader. A good leader has to be patient with people, patient with their learning, patient with their understanding, patient with their input or output, but also patient with themselves. You know, you need to develop a self-awareness that you're not going to know how to be an incredible leader on day one. It is something that you're going to learn and grow and probably be developing for the rest of your career and for the rest of the time that you have your business as well. So that's a really important thing is to practice patience and to to not get frustrated. And also quite often when we're not practicing patience as a leader is when we make mistakes or when things come out of our mouth that really probably shouldn't have come out. And so you really want to think about how often am I being patient and what does patience look like? You know, you don't want to be a doormat, but also, you know, you want to be patient and not expect everything yesterday. And finally, rounding it out at number 10. And again, there are so many other lessons and elements to be aware of when you are becoming a leader or trying to become a better leader. And that is to let go, to let go. And I think sometimes when you're a leader, and particularly if it's your business and you are developing people and paying for that development and everything else, that there's a tendency to take things very personally if somebody decides to leave, rather than understanding that, you know, people will leave. People, even if they're your best people, they're not going to just necessarily stay around for 10 years. I think the average person in a job now is about 2.7 years, which is really not long at all. These are not the days, you know, back in the day when everyone would stay for like 10 years, 20 years at a job. People choose to, you know, develop themselves or change or, and I think it's something oh gosh, I can't remember the figure. I recently went to a high school open day for my son and the principal at that high school, she talked about this next generation of, you know, where my son is and that I think she said, I can't remember the number. I wish I could, but I think she said something like the average person that will be graduating in whenever he graduates in the thirties, oh my God, 2030s, She's like, they will have an average, I think it was like of 22 jobs in their lifetime or something. Whereas when I graduated, it was really probably seen as you might have like three or four jobs. That's it. Like you'll be at most, most jobs for, you know, 10 years, maybe, maybe longer. And it's not to say that people aren't. I have, you know, family members who've been at jobs for 17 years and will stay at that job for ages. But in most cases in small business, particularly if you're running something like retail or hospitality, you know, people will come and go and you cannot take that personally. You've got to let them go. But also you've got to let go of the idea that if you're the perfect leader, you know, your staff will never leave, but also not just never leave, but that they'll never disagree with you, that you won't have challenges or issues that are raised. It will come up. No one is perfect. And even if you are an incredible leader, people, you know, people have emotions, people are not robots. And so they're going to go through things that maybe, you know, test both of you in that relationship over time. And so you've got to understand people will leave, even if you give them the most incredible environment, they will leave. And that is not a reflection on you. But also as a leader, you are teaching them about this world and you're teaching them what to expect from their next job and their next leader. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts that leaders can give is to 
create an environment in which that person is going to flourish and they're going to excel and increase their skill set and understand their experience and become better overall so that when they do leave, they're in a better position than when they started in your business. And that's something, again, I keep bringing it back to like parenthood, but it's something that, you know, I know a lot of my clients, a lot of my friends are kind of grappling with teenagers at the moment and and understanding that idea of like, oh, I don't want to let them go, but I totally understand that I've got to let them go and have I prepared them and all of that. And so in a way, if you're lucky enough to have staff, you want to understand that there probably will be an end point to that relationship at some point, even if you're friends, you know, you can remain friends outside of work but that you are preparing them to do as well as they can in your company, but also that you're giving them the tools to go on and flourish later on in other companies. And that can be a scary thing to consider, but it also allows you to kind of have a little less attachment to situations and to let go, like the Frozen song, you know, let it go. (laughs) And so I think that's a really important thing as a leader to understand that One, don't take if somebody leaves that it's a personal dig at you, but also that you're encouraging this person and teaching them about this industry or just how to have a great relationship at work and feel psychologically safe at your place of business, but also potentially in the future when they go on. Again, it kind of comes back to the start of reflecting on your own career and reflecting on the managers and leaders that you have had and understanding that if you'd had a really toxic leader and that's all you'd ever known, that's all you'd expect from the next job. Whereas if you'd had a great leader, you understand what the difference is and that's what you're looking for. And so, you know, it's a kind of nurturing perspective of leadership as well. So just to kind of go over those 10, the first is to reflect on your own journey with leaders, what's been good, what's been bad, and how often are you bringing those good aspects into your own leadership? Number two, to understand the importance of pausing as well as being proactive. Number three, to practice deep empathy. Number four, to understand your own shortcomings and understand your own need to heal certain things before you can become an incredible leader. Number five is to listen twice as much as you talk, that whole concept of two ears, one mouth. Listen, 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 and also listen to what's not being said. Number six, to decide on the type of leader that you want to be. Number seven, to engage in learning and upskilling yourself. Number eight, to find a mentor or coach. Number nine, to practice patience. Very difficult at times, but to practice patience. And number 10, to let things go, understand people will leave. And part of your role as a leader is to nurture them in the journey that they're having with you, but also so that nurturing can withhold them into future opportunities when they come up into other jobs and other businesses. So I hope that that has helped. If you wanted to explore this more, of course, you can do some one-on-one coaching with me. And like I mentioned before, we do have group coaching. We have another round of that starting later this year. You can get on the wait list. If you're on the wait list, you will get access to a few more goodies, you know, people who are not on the wait list. So it's worth just getting on there if you're interested. You can find all of that, including how to get on the wait list at mydailybusiness.com forward slash group coaching. And if you've got any questions, feel free to just email us hello at mydailybusiness.com. I hope you found this useful. If you have, we would love it so, so much. If you might spend a spare 10 seconds, leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you usually listen to this podcast. If you decide to share it, we would love that so much. Please tag us on social media so we don't miss it. You can just tag at my daily business underscore. 
And of course, if you've got a friend that is in a leadership position or maybe becoming a leader or wanting to develop their leadership skills, feel free to share this episode with them. You know, helps other small business owners understand how they can be a really great leader. That is it for now. You can find all of this in text format in the show notes, which you can find over at mydailybusiness.com forward slash podcast forward slash 316. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Podcast. For a range of tools to help you grow and start your business, including coaching programs, courses, and templates, check out our shop at mydailybusiness.com forward slash shop. And if you want to get in touch, you can do that via email, hello at mydailybusiness.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at mydailybusiness underscore. You can find us on TikTok at mydailybusiness or find me, Fiona Kalaki, on LinkedIn. I look forward to connecting.